lips giving praise unto your name be a, a sweet savor unto you, God. Let us, uh, that you would receive our praise this morning, that you would receive the glory, that you would receive all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. It's all due to your name, O oh God. The glory, the glory doesn't belong to us, O oh God. It all belongs to you, Jesus. All of the glory, all of the praise, all of the thanks, O oh God, all of it, O oh God. We would not be here without you today, Lord Jesus. You have given us breath and life and health in our bodies today, Lord. You've given us every blessing, O oh God. You've given us a voice, O oh God, to speak. You've given us ears to hear today. God, you've given us a mind to receive today. You've given us, O oh God, your spirit and your power, Lord. You've given us all things for your good and for your glory, Lord Jesus. Let it be for your good, for your glory, Lord Jesus. Magnify, we glorify, we lift up, we exalt the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let us shout the glory of the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, let's clap our hands, oh God. seated this morning. Amen. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13 says this, but unto every one of us, everybody say, every one of us is given a grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. He gave us gifts, the gifts of eternal life and the gift of forgiveness. And he actually gave us the gift of repentance. We, could, we wouldn't be where we are without the gift of repentance. Now that he ascended, what is, he, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave. He gave. He gave. Not we gave. Not, not, not our denomination gave. He gave. He gave some. Some what? Who, he gave some. Who were the some? Who were the some that he gave us apostles and all those? The people. He gave some. He chose. He decided. We don't decide that. Right? The psalm is, is us. Is whoever he chooses. Paul wasn't out there standing in line going, Can I be the next apostle? No, he wasn't. He wasn't even looking in that direction, Brother Parker. He was going about his own business and something happened to him. And God said, You're going to be an apostle. And you're going to do things I'm going to tell you to do. And you're not going to do what you want to do anymore, Paul. Isn't that what happened? So when he when it says to me, when it says he gave some, that means that could mean anybody. 
And it does mean anybody. He could call anybody in this room to be any one of those five things. Right? And he gave some, I wrote in here a little note, in humanity to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers, not just then, but throughout time. He's still doing that. Throughout time, that never that, that's a perpetual thing. It never ends. It's still going on. We're still in the book of Acts. So he's still doing that. He didn't ever, there's never been a time, Brother Becker, he stopped giving some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He never stopped doing that. Why did he do that? There's a semicolon there, and then there's the word for. What's for? It's a conjunction word. It's about to explain what he just said. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? Here's your answer. For the perfecting. For the process and the progress. To make fully ready. To make us fully ready. How many knows we're in a process? We're in, a, we're in progress. We're a work in progress. Any one of those... Those offices is still a work in progress. Just because Paul became an apostle doesn't mean he just automatically and magically had all the powers and all the things he needed to be a great apostle. You ask Paul, you could ask Paul, he was going through a process the whole time. When he was stoned nearly to death, he was going, is, is this the end of the process? No. God said, no, get up. <laughs> with all your bruises and cuts and everything, get up. I'm not done with you. Oh, it's so wonderful being an apostle. Hallelujah. Right? That's what Paul said. Doesn't anybody else want to be one? Look what I went through. Hallelujah. Where's, it? Where's the line? <laughs> he turned around. There's nobody in line behind him. He goes, yeah, sign me up. I want to go through that. Right? For the perfecting of the saints. That's why he gave those offices. For what? Why why do we need to perfect the saints, the believers, for the work of the ministry? Our pastor has told us time and time again, every one of us has a ministry. We're all ministers. Every one of us has a ministry. For the edifying of the... That's why. That's what we're here for, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Is there a limited number of the body of Christ? Is this it? Have we reached our limit? We don't get to have any more? No. <laughs> There's a lot of empty seats in this place. There's a lot of people out there that God's dealing with right now. And if you read your Bible in the New Testament, God sent men like Paul and Peter. He sent Peter. He, he translated Peter out of a meeting he was in to talk to one guy, a eunuch, that was riding along in a chariot. He gave him supernatural ability to run next to that guy, Philip. He ran. Can you imagine that? Running with the horses. <laughs> he was he was running to keep up with that guy, and he finally got him to stop that chariot. Could you slow the chariot down so I could teach you a Bible study? That's what happened. Believe it if you want. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Till we all come. Until. What do you think of when you think of the word until? 
Until I turn 80, I'm going to do everything I can to live my life the best that I can be, Sister Parker. I'm not there yet. We say that word all the time. Until I retire, I'm going to do this and this and this. Or Until Jesus comes, we're going to do all the stuff we think we're going to do. And that's what that word, until... Till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's a perpetual throughout time thing. Have we all come into the unity of the faith yet? Fully and completely. We're still working on it. We're still a work in progress. He's still working on me, the song says. And of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a fully equipped and spiritually mature man. Are we fully equipped and fully spiritually mature yet? I don't know about you, but I'm not. God's still working on me. I know that every day I wake up. He's still working on me. And I need Him to still work on me every day. I need Him every day. Paul needed Him every day. This was the guy that said, I'm the least among you. Until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or until we measure up to Christ in our everyday life and example. And how many in this room, and I'm just raising my hand as an example, because I haven't either, how many in this room have measured up to Christ in His example yet? You, you got there. You've arrived. Nobody. All right. So why are you saying all this, Brother Demuth? What's this got to do with exploring God's Word? Everything. It's got everything to do with it. Because I'm going to ask the same question I asked last Sunday. Why are we here? God's using one of those five gifts right now. Right here. To teach. He can use you to do that. He can call you to be an apostle, prophet, an evangelist. He can call any of us to do any of those things. If he so chooses to do that, if he can call a 70-something-year-old lady to some little hick town in Minnesota to start a church. He can do anything he wants. Because that's not what she was expecting. All you ladies in here know who I'm talking about. So don't sit there and think you're done because you're above a certain age. God don't have a retirement age. (laughs) What did that great man of God say in the Old Testament? Give me my mountain, right? I'm not done yet. I still got strength in my body. I still got strength in my mind. Lord, you're not done with me yet. I know you're not, so don't let me get the attitude that I'm done. If I can still move my lips and pray, I can do something. Amen? So that's what we're here for. We're being God is trying to edify us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to take us to another level, another place. In Him. Don't get comfortable in your in here, in your mind, in your spirit. Don't get comfortable where you are. If you're feeling comfortable, you need to shake yourself. You need to ask God, well, shake me, God. What, what? I can't just sit here and do nothing. Right? Jesus was always busy about His Father's business. Jesus wasn't about Jesus' business. Every time they ask him why he was doing stuff, why he said stuff, well, it's not me saying it. It's my father telling me to say it. It's not me doing it. It's the father telling me to do it. 
Shouldn't we have that same attitude that Jesus had? What's, what's he telling you to do? Hallelujah. Jesus was the incarnate God, kind of following up on lesson six. He was the earthly embodiment of the heavenly Father. We agree on that. Matthew 10, 7 through 8 says, And as you go, preach, make public proclamation, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's readily available. It's ready. It's available right now. Is the kingdom of heaven still available today? To all, to whomsoever will, right? Let him come, let him come freely. Right? Freely you have received. We better be freely given it. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. It's not just for the preachers. That's not just for the pastors. Cast out devils. Is there still some devils to be cast out? Or are we gone past that point? We're, we're, we're modern. We don't have any more devils to cast out, Brother Parker. <laughs> not. He's still, can I say it this way without giving the devil glory? He's still alive and well. Until the Lord takes him and puts him in the pit, he's still going to fight me and you every day. He's still going to try to get us and get us put on his trophy case. He's trying to make us a trophy in hell. i got to get you. Hallelujah, Jesus. In John 3, 1 through 5, Nicodemus came to Jesus. You know, Jesus, after his ministry started, he... He started launching into the new birth, basically talking about the new birth. We're going to get into that. <clears throat> and so when Jesus came to Nicodemus, or Nicodemus came to Jesus, he was, he was kind of almost taking a great risk, taking his life in his own hands, so to speak, because he was one of the, the Pharisees. He was one of the teachers of the law. And he knew. He was one of those ones in the group when Jesus was speaking and the, all the other Pharisees and scribes were all railing on him and ridiculing him and calling him names and thinking all kinds of wicked and evil things about him. Nicodemus was one of those guys like Joseph of Arimathea that was sitting there going, man, this guy's got to be from God because nobody can do this kind of stuff except they're from God. And that's what he went and told Jesus. He went to him basically to compliment him. Say, man, I don't know who you are, but you're definitely from God. Because no man can do these things except they be from God. And in John 3, verse 3 through 5, Jesus said this, And Jesus answered said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Thanks for the compliment, Nicodemus, but I'm going to get right to the point. He just totally changed the subject right there. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see the kingdom. Doing like a lot of us do, trying to understand things in the natural, with our natural mind. God gave us a spiritual mind. Did you know that? If you have the Holy Ghost, you've got a spiritual mind. You can't think of stuff in the natural. Because the tendency is to do that as humanity. But we've got to think about what is, what's, what's God really saying here? Nicodemus wasn't doing that. He said, can a, can a man enter a second time into his mother's room and be born? He didn't get it. 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. Not only can you not see the kingdom, you can't enter into the kingdom. First Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, the human understanding, the intellect, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, or they are nonsense, unto him. You try to talk to some people about the Word of God sometimes, and the look on their face is telling you that they think that you're just, you're full of nonsense. Because they don't get it. They don't understand. We were there word somebody was saying we don't we didn't have the holy ghost we didn't understand it spiritually neither can he know or even begin to understand them because they are spiritually discerned and this this born again thing was available to who anybody What did Peter preach on the day of Pentecost? For this promise is unto you and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Aren't you glad he called you today? He's calling on a lot of other people out there. God's always calling. That's what I believe. He's always talking. Somebody out there has heard one scripture. They might not have heard it from an apostolic, but they've heard one scripture. Somebody's planted something in their mind. And it just it just goes around and around in their head. And sometimes when I'm praying for the lost souls of people like in Sparta, I, I'm praying, God, there's people out there that have a, a measure, a part of your word in their spirit, in their mind. And I'm just praying, God, just let it just... Let it just bubble up to the top of all the other things they think about. And let it just be one of those things that just just is there in their mind all the time. Just let, get so that they'll get hungry. Because I want them to be hungry. John 7, 37-39 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So there's one of your qualifications. You've got to be thirsty. Anybody thirsty? You stand up here and talk for a while. You're going to get thirsty. Your mouth's going to get dry. Mm. Hallelujah. He that believeth on me as the Scripture has said. That's key right there. As the Scripture has said. There's a lot of people that believe on him today that aren't doing it according to what the Scripture said. Out of his belly, his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. But he spake this of the Spirit, which they had, they that believe in him should receive. Believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So you know you can't use any of the Gospels to preach salvation. He preaches about it. John chapter 3, we just read it. But salvation doesn't come until the day of Pentecost. Right? True? Nobody got saved in, in the Gospels. Just saying. 
John 4.14 says, But to whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Who was he talking to? Woman at the well, right? That woman at the well. That, that Samaritan. That one nobody wanted to talk to, Brother Terry. That one, that weird, that weird lady at the well, nobody wanted to talk to her. The one that had been married four times and she was with her fifth one. Right? We don't want to talk to anybody like that, do we? But Jesus went out of his way. And so he went so far as to even send his disciples to the quick trip to get some food so he could talk to her without them being there interrupting him. Didn't he do that? Am I telling something wrong? If I am, you just tell me. It wasn't quick trip, okay? Okay, I'll give you that. It wasn't quick trip, but he sent them to the store. He told them to go and buy meat, right? We just kind of bring it into our common day stuff. So that he could minister to that lady in her time of need. She knew she needed somebody to just love her. That's what people in this world need is just somebody. They need you to sit across from that kitchen table and just love them, Brother Richard. And not look at them with eyes that judge. And not look at them with eyes that are going up and down, going, look how, look how they look. Man, I can't get my eyes off them tattoos. I don't know. I can't focus. You're going to have to. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to send us people that aren't going to look like us, Sister Bell. They are not going to look like us. I'm sorry. But none of us look like us either. <laughs> we were honest with ourselves. My wife met me. I was a jeans and t-shirt guy. That was it. I was happy with jeans and a t-shirt. Then I went from that to cargo pants, camouflage cargo pants and t-shirt. But God did something in me. He changed me and he's still working on me. He's still changing me every day. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God... Must believe that he is. So you got to be thirsty. Jesus taught that. Whether you realize it or not, he was teaching a principle when he was talking to that woman at the well. So this stuff that's written in the book wasn't just there just for grins and giggles, folks. It's there for a reason. He taught principles in the Bible. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You got to believe that he exists. Those that are listening online, if you've never heard this message before, you got to believe that there is a God and he's real. And that he really still exists today and he really is in the business of saving people's souls. We had to believe that. Because we'd have never even heard the first Bible study if we didn't believe that. And I was so thankful as I looked back after my salvation, that I at least had a, a Catholic upbringing, at least had a foundation that God could work from. He knew that. He knew that. He allowed me to go through that to bring me to the point where he brought me into this. He doesn't, he's not oblivious to our life before we get saved, is he? No. He knows everything that every person out there is going through right now. The ones that are sleeping off a hangover, the ones that are that are laying in their bed crying because their mama's not here. or Whatever's going on out there, he knows about all of it. Let 
you first must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How do we know if there's not somebody out there seeking him right now? Praying, God, I don't know who you are. I don't even know if I know your name. Because they just, they're saying his name all the time because they're using it as an, as an expletive. I got a guy at work. I just want to just <laughs> reach out and touch him in Jesus' name. He's always saying that. And I, was, I actually said something to him finally, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he turns around and says it again. Oh, hallelujah. So whenever he says it now, I just insert an oh, hallelujah, or thank you. Thank you, Jesus, or something. Just to, He can't help it. He can't help it. We, some of us were like that. We had no, we had no clue. Only a thirsty person that seeks out something, only a thirsty person will seek out something to quench his thirst. We've all seen the cartoons or the commercials about the guy crawling through the desert looking for water. That's how we got to be. We got to remain thirsty. He said, if we'll just remain thirsty, if we'll just come to him and drink, he'll give us to drink. How many want to be just satisfied with one drink? How many? I don't want to be satisfied with where I'm at. Well, I had my drink. I'm good. That's somebody else's turn. Uh-uh. I want to be right in front of the line, getting my drink every day, every minute of every day. I want to drink from that well as often as I can. The new birth and the new covenant were prophesied by the book by Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the hand of them that of the land of Egypt, which the covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their Write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah had no clue what he was talking about. He was just prophesying and saying what God told him to say. And sometimes even today when a man of God is being used as a prophet, he's saying stuff. And sometimes when you're standing up here as a minister or preacher, you'll say stuff and you don't even know why you said it. Anybody ever been there besides me that's ever spoke to anybody? I'll never forget standing at that lady's door in, in Okinawa in my quarters talking to her about the Lord. And I'm sitting there thinking, where is all this coming from? I was a new convert. Where, where's all these words coming from? This isn't, I didn't think of this stuff. The lady just asked me a question and it was just like God just took over my mind for five minutes. And it was stuff was just coming out and my wife's standing back there going, oh my goodness, Whoa. I'm going, yeah, I feel the same way. I don't know where that came from. Can God, can God do that for you in a Bible study that you're sitting there? If you're listening to the voice of God when you're teaching that Bible study, you, we need to know when it's time to just put the book down and let God lead us. Somebody might need you to pray right now because they're going to see it. They're going to see it. If they're hungry enough to come, if they're thirsty enough to take time out of their schedule and your 
willing enough to take time out of your busy schedule to take the time to teach a Bible study to somebody, you need to expect God to do something because he's going to. Amen? Joel 2, 25 through 29 says, And I will restore unto you the years of the locust hath eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and I and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that he, that hath dwelt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Isn't that amazing? And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. I like how he repeats that. We will never be ashamed. For I am not ashamed, the Bible says in Galatians, what? Of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's not just the Jews and the Greeks, is it? That's to all to whomsoever will. That's what he was saying. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your, young, and your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon my servants and my handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Is that the same spirit we have? Same spirit. Same, that song, same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. Lives in me, lives in me, that same spirit, that same power to heal and to deliver and to cast out devils is re- is resident in each one of us right now. You've got to remember that. You've got to remember who you are and whose you are when you're sitting there teaching that Bible study and humbly realize that God is using you simply as a vessel. Let him use you. Let him use you. Don't let the devil talk you out of teaching that Bible study. Because he doesn't want you to do it. And he will tell you things in your mind and you'll think it's your idea. Oh, no, no, no. That's, you don't want, no, that, he'll never, you know. He'll tell you all kinds of stuff. He'll lie right in your ear. He will. And you gotta, you gotta recognize that that's not from God. You need to just, just, you know, don't let a bird build a nest in your head. Right? Don't even let it land there. Say, no, God, I'm not listening to that. I'm doing what you told me to do. Doesn't make sense. That's why I'm doing it, because it doesn't make sense. Because I don't have the ability, but you're going to give me the ability, right? He will. One person agreed with me. He will. He will give you the ability that you don't naturally have. He'll give it to you. I'll never forget the lady one time that I heard a testimony. A lady just kept praying, God, I just want to play the piano. I just want to play the piano. And she just kept praying, and she didn't know if God was ever going to answer. And one day God said, walk up to that piano and just start playing. And she was like, whoa. Here she was praying, and all of a sudden God says, go do it. So she walked up to the piano and sat down and started playing. She don't know where that came from. She never took a lesson or anything. God just gave it to her. That really happened. He can give that to you. He he wants us. Isn't he the king? Can I say it like that? Aren't we his subjects? 
as, as subjects to the king, what's our, what's our purpose and goal in life? To serve the king and to increase the kingdom, right? We want the king to look good. So we're the king's kids, and he didn't just allow us to enter into the kingdom so we could just run around saying we're the king's kids. People that are in a kingdom are supposed to be doing what they can for the kingdom. Jesus taught in parables. Jesus taught in parables. Right? Why did he do that? Jesus often taught in parables. A parable is an earthly story with a spiritual application. And it is used to teach one great truth. Through parables, Jesus used a a known to reveal an unknown to his disciples and presented spiritual meaning to all who heard it. Right? The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 1 through 23. I'm not going to read it, but that's where it's located. He talked about the four kinds of soil. He talked about the wayside soil. That's the person that hears but fails to understand. The devil steals the word eventually because they hear it. It hits their mind, but they fail to understand it, and the devil will come and take it away. Will he do that today? I can't tell you how many times I've heard preachers at the end of a message pray, God, as the people leave here, don't let the devil steal what you've given them, that word that you've laid on their spirit from them, because he will do it. He'll try to steal it away from you, some revelation, something that God gave you in the message. And so we need to protect that. Stony ground. They hear the word and they receive it joyfully, but temptation comes and they fall away because they are not rooted Thorny ground. They hear the word and bear some fruit, but the cares and the pleasures of life choke out the word that would have otherwise brought a change. And then there's the good ground. Hopefully we're all good ground today, right? They hear the word. They understand it. They obey it. And they allow it to become deeply rooted in their life. Is that, a, is that a given? Is that an automatic thing? Once we have good ground, we just don't have to worry about it anymore? Uh, how many here have, have had or have a garden? Where you grow stuff. Right? I drive by these cornfields and you see all kinds of weird stuff sticking up in the middle of the corn that don't, you know that's not corn. Whatever it is, it's, it's not corn. It's a weed. And if we don't keep our ground tilled and weeded intended to we can actually become one of these other kinds of soil is that true as you leave a garden alone you might have some cucumbers and you might have some tomatoes and you might have some other stuff in there but you're not going to be able to after a while be able to tell which one's which because what did jesus talk when he talked about the was it jesus that talked about the the wheat and the tares I heard one preacher say, a tear looks almost like wheat. 
almost identical to it, except for when it gets taller and gets to that point where it's about to harvest. That's when it starts looking a little different. So that's why he said, don't don't tear out the tares with the wheat, because you don't can't tell when they're young. And so the same holds true for those souls out there. You might be dealing with somebody with one of these most likely wayside, stony, or thorny. Is that is that just they're just stuck with that for the rest of their life? No. I was thorny ground at one time. I was stony ground. All of us were. But somebody prayed for us. Somebody kept praying for us. Somebody kept praying for us. Somebody kept praying for us when we would not show up for the Bibles. They kept praying for us anyway. What were they doing? They were plowing the ground. We got to keep our own ground plowed and weeded intended to, but we got to remember those people that were teaching those Bible studies to, they got some stones in the, in the ground. And they got some thorns. And we, gotta, we can't just reach in and pull them out in our, uh, naturally. You can't just start hammering people with stuff and telling them rules and regulations. You can't do that. Not very successfully. People aren't going to receive that. But if you're praying... If you're interceding and travailing and praying for that soul that you're teaching that Bible study to, you watch what God does. You watch God take the thorns and the stones and all that stuff out of the way. He also taught a parable of the pearl of great price. Matthew 13, 45, 46 says, And the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And then the very next scripture, Jesus just moves on and never explains that. Anybody ever noticed that? All the other parables, the, the disciples said, hey, 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 wait, 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 Jesus, before you move on to the next one, can you please explain the soil thing? So he had to take them away privately and tell them what it meant. But he never explained this one. But I think it's because it didn't need explanation. That's what I think. He didn't interpret it. He didn't explain it. This parable asked the question, what's the most valuable thing to you? What is the most valuable thing to you? Some people say if you look in somebody's checkbook, that tells you exactly what's valuable to them, where they spend their money. Right? But God knows your heart. You know, we don't know our own heart, right? You know, the Bible says that our heart is what? Desperately wicked. And it says, who can know it? It's a, that's one of those questions that's a, what kind of questions? Rhetorical question. Jesus wasn't asking that so you could ask. The, the obvious answer is, who can know your heart? Nobody. Only he knows your heart for real, the inner deep man, the things you have hidden in there. So we got to ask ourselves, that's what he was saying, would, would you be willing to sell everything? Would you be willing to lay everything down? Just like the disciples did and the, and the, and the people did in the book of Acts, when the Bible says that they sold all that they had and they parted to every man as, as he had need. They acknowledged that nothing of theirs was theirs. 
Their house wasn't theirs. Their stuff wasn't theirs. Their life wasn't theirs. Because the Bible says we are not our own. We are bought with a price. So if you've been bought like a slave, you're not your own. You don't get to have a say. I don't get to have a say. Do we understand that? Do we realize that? we got to live like that. Because guess what? People out there, as, as much as they are ranked sinners and people that just don't know Jesus and need Jesus, I want to be careful what I say, but I was one of them so I can say it. But they know. Those kids in my wife's school know when a teacher's real and when they're just there collecting a paycheck. They know the difference. They know if you're just putting on. They know if you're just faking it until you make it. And they also know if you're real, if you're sincere, if you really love God, if this thing that you're living, is, it's just, it, it just consumes everything within you. They know that. You don't have to tell them. Like the old thing they used to teach me in the army, when you have to tell somebody you're in charge, you're not. (laughs) And if you're leading and nobody's following, you're out for a walk. (laughs) Everywhere Jesus went, somebody was following him. And he didn't proclaim himself to be the leader. He just went about doing good to anybody and everybody he could find. He went up and touched the leper. When everybody went, you don't touch a leper. I just think the leper was healed before his hand got there. (laughs) It's just the way Jesus works. Right? So we can't be afraid of this stuff that we're going to face. We serve the King of Kings. And the Lord of lords. And no prince, no devil, nobody can stand in our way if we're going on the king's business. And if you're there on the king's business, he will back you up 100%. Does that mean everything's going to go right all the time? No. You're going to teach some Bible studies or attempt to teach some Bible studies to some people that aren't going to want to hear a word you say. And that's fine. They heard, they, they heard what they heard. It's on them now. You did your thing. What did Jesus say? If you get to a town and they don't want to hear what I say, what did he tell them to do? Go to the edge of town, take your shoes off, shake the dust off, go to the next one. Not everybody's going to want this. Hell is real and there's going to be a lot of souls there, unfortunately. And it's not made for people. It's not made for us. So I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody in this city... Brother Becker, going to hell. Do you? I don't. They don't deserve it. They deserve at least a chance to hear the gospel. And we got to be that voice. It's what he sent us here to do. He taught about the talents. What were the talents? Just what was they representative of? The things that he put in us. What God's given us talents, right? He's given us gifts. We just read that. He gave gifts unto men. He's given every one of us some kind of gift, some kind of talent, some kind of ability to do whatever it is he needs us to do for his kingdom, whether it's teaching, preaching, evangelism, whatever it is, 
Whatever your gift is, He's given you that gift. What are we doing with it? Are we investing it in the kingdom or in our own desires and passions? Are we just sitting on it like the one guy and just burying it? I mean, you know, you, if, you're, if you're trying and failing, at least you're moving forward. If you never try and never fail, you're not getting anything done. And when it comes to the things of God, if, if He's sending you to do it, you're not going to fail. And if humanly you stick your foot in there and mess things up, He's, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us. Okay, God, I'm sorry. I tried to do it my way. Can we do it your way now? Right? We're all, we've all been there. Okay, God, I got this. None of us have ever verbally said that, but in our mind and in our actions, we've said it. God, I got this. You don't. Hallelujah, Jesus. The road to Calvary. And I challenge you, don't just come here and listen to Brother Demuth. Go study this stuff for yourself. That's why I gave you all those that page with all those prophecies on it, not so you could go home and put that on your bulletin board. We need to study. What does Second Timothy two fifteen say? And that's that's a that's a, a command, that's a charge to each one of us to study, to be diligent. I want to be approved unto God, don't you? I want to know this word for myself, don't you? I want to be able to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in me, don't you? How do you do that? You know what this book says. Because somebody's going to ask you for an answer. And God in the Holy Ghost will give you what to say, trust me. 1 Peter 1, 18-21, For as much then as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold <clears throat> from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Everything that Jesus went through in his life on this earth was foreordained by God. Our life is foreordained by God. He's not just hoping we'll... Do okay down here. He's already got a pattern for every life in this room. He already knows what he wants to do through you. The question is, to me and to you, is are we doing the thing that God has called us to do? Are we seeking out, God, what is it you need me to do? And waiting for him to answer. And then doing it when he tells us. Because he's got something for us to do. First Peter one eighteen through 20 in the... Amplified Bible says this, you must know, recognize that you were redeemed, that, that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition of your forefathers, 
not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but ye were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that, like that of a sacrificial lamb without a blemish or spot. It is true that he was chosen and foreordained, destined and foreknown for it before the foundation of the world, that, but he was brought out, of, out to the public view, made manifest in these last days at the end of all times for the sake of you. He did it for us. He did that. He was foreordained. And I'm just pointing. Brother Becker always points this way. <laughs> That's okay. We get the point when he says those people out there. It's not just the neighbors next door. It's everybody out there. He's pointing towards Sparta. It's those people out there. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a prayer walk in Sparta on the 24th. Commercial break. Nine to noon. You can be there. I need to know. I need to be able to give Brother uh, Plowman sort of a number of people that are going to be there. Okay? We're going to pray over Sparta. We're going to bind some devils. We're going to let the prince of Sparta know that we're in town and that his days are numbered. Because there's souls that God is wanting to do a harvest. That's why they're now calling it plowing before the harvest and not plowing before the planter. There's already a harvest there. And my wife and I have been covering that city since the day we moved into that house with prayer. Every day. We haven't seen anything happen yet, but that doesn't mean nothing's happening, right? God's doing something in the background. And when God does it, then God will get all the glory. And I'll just be there as a, a willing vessel. Amen? That was free. Every bit of ridicule, disrespect, slander, betrayal, pain, suffering, cruel mocking, beatings, and the agony that he went through up until and including the cruel crucifixion was all a part of God's great plan to pay the ransom and redeem his creation back to himself. Does that include everybody? Because those people out there that are full of tattoos and all that mess that you're going to come, that you're going to be confronted with, that's a soul. You got to remember that. That's a soul. And the only reason they did all that stuff to themselves is because they have been trying to fill that empty void in their life with everything but what belongs there. And it's just it's just too late if they find Jesus after they've done all that stuff, but he doesn't care. <laughs> you know that? He doesn't care if they're shacking up. He knows they are. And he'll fill them with the Holy Ghost anyway. Isn't that amazing? And then he'll work on them later in his time. Let's let God do that. Let's let God do that. I was I was going to do that with that lady back there in the booth. And I, oh, by the mercy and grace of God, I said it out loud to the pastor. And he heard me and he stopped me. He said, oh, don't you do that. You just leave that alone. Don't even go there. And it had to be God that I said it out loud and didn't just think it. Because that man saved me from doing something really stupid. She might not be in church today if I had done what I was thinking I was going to do. Because he just said, you let God deal with her. And you know what? It was amazing to watch. God did it. When God did it, it was just awesome. I mean, it, I was in tears over it. <laughs> and I, my mind went back to that moment when I was thinking what I was going to do and, and he stopped me. God had mercy. He stopped me. 
Thank God. Whew. All that he went through, folks, was an act of love for you, for me, and for those souls that are out there. We're going to pick up the rest of this next week. Just, um, I kind of figured I wasn't going to get all through it. This is, there's a lot here in Lesson 7 about the new birth. There's a lot here. I mean, we could go on for months and, and months and months. You could, I mean, there's never, there's more revelation in this Bible than, than we could ever imagine. We, we've only been given a small thimble full of revelation. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Whatever God's given you today and whatever he gives you in these lessons, you're responsible for that. You know that? Whatever thing he gives you, whatever nugget of truth he gives you, whatever revelation that you receive, you're responsible for it. And you're responsible to go look it up and challenge and check it out for yourself. Because I'm human. I mean, I already made one mistake. Uh, <laughs> instead of Peter, instead of Philip. You see what I'm saying? We're subject to make mistakes. It's okay. When my kids were playing in the band in high school, the teacher told them, if you miss a note, just keep playing. Because most people aren't even going to know you missed a note. Right? Just keep playing. Don't stop and get all freaked out about it. Just keep going. You're probably the only one that you and then the director know that you missed it. Right? God's merciful. Thank God he's merciful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We plead your blood over the remainder of this service, Lord. We pray that the enemy would not have any way in, oh God, that you would bless Brother Anderson, oh God, to minister the word that you've sent uh, through him today, Lord, for this church, this congregation, Lord Jesus, that you would give us a spirit and a heart and a mind to receive what you've sent to us. Lord, we pray your continued blessing upon each one in this room today and on those online. Father, if there's somebody hungry, Lord, send us to them and send them to us, oh God. Give us a heart and a mind and a will to do your will, Lord, and to to see souls added to your kingdom, Father. Add them, O God, as we do what you ask us to do. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody.